Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. One month has passed since the brutal Hamas terrorist attacks on October 7th, with the Biden administration announcing this week They would be sending $320 million in precision bombs to Israel to support their fight against Hamas in Gaza. As long as the United States stands, Israel will never stand alone. Today, in my fourth visit to Israel since October 7th, I reiterate that in all my discussions with Prime Minister Netanyahu, President Herzog, the Security Cabinet. I reiterated and made clear our support for Israel's right to defend itself, indeed, its obligation to defend itself. That includes through the additional assistance that we've worked with Congress and we're working with Congress now to provide for Israel's defense, as well as for urgent humanitarian needs in Gaza. Congress has less than two weeks to pass the bills needed to avoid a government shutdown, with newly minted Speaker of the House Mike Johnson saying he's committed to passing all appropriations bills needed even if they have to pass another stopgap to avoid a shutdown. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel. Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today, Susan Page, Fox News contributor, host of the Ben Dominich podcast, Ben Dominich, and Fox News audio political anchor, Washington correspondent, Jared Halpern. Uh, Jared, the clock is ticking for Congress uh, to get this stuff done. It's, you know, the same story a different month uh, as far as whether it's going to happen or not. And it may be a different strategy with a new speaker. Uh, We've heard Mike Johnson use this phrase, laddered CR. That was new to a lot of us who have covered these types of spending fights. In a news conference today, he kind of said, listen, this isn't anything new, that what they would uh, look to do is maybe have full government funding uh, for what they can get done and then sort of have a tiered approach to to some of the other appropriations processes that they can't get a a year long uh, deal done for. And that would kind of be the laddered approach. Uh, But, you know, he also said today that um, they are kind of pursuing this through a different uh, couple of options. And one of them could be what what is is close to a clean CR, I guess, as he was willing to go. He kind of said some changes was a little cagey on kind of what those details would be, but said that, that we can expect to hear them in the days ahead. It sounds like what's happening is the Republican conference, Brett, is trying to get on board with a single strategy before they get too far afield and, and start negotiating that either in public through the media or, or with Democrats. Yeah, Susan, we still have the same math. It's still the same slim majority. 
that Kevin McCarthy had. Uh, and actually, they haven't even changed the rule that would allow one member to step up and say, it's not working for me as speaker, a motion to vacate. So that hasn't changed. And what has changed is, you know, the embarrassment, obviously, of what happened. Um, but how they get to the finish line is still anybody's guess. Yeah, and let's not forget that this is exactly what cost Kevin McCarthy his job. This is what created an opening that Mike Johnson has now filled us when Ke Kevin McCarthy passed the previous CR that got us to November 17th to the displeasure of a few of his troops. They are still against that kind of what we call a clean CR, a funding bill that just kicks the can down the road. But it is, frankly, impossible to see how Congress manages to pass the regular appropriations bill in the next 10 days. So there will need to be some kind of uh, continuing funding resolution passed. And we have no real idea what that will be or how House Republicans will accept it. Meantime, uh, Ben, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is telling the White House that uh, there's going to have to be some negotiation on border security, uh, some different uh, financing of that in order to tie it to Ukraine funding, which is what the House wants to do, uh, to be able to get that across the finish line, too. Yes, uh, Minority Leader McConnell understands the dynamics here, I think, uh, accurately, which is that uh, the overwhelming majority of uh, of senators in his conference uh, are really fed up with the issues related to the border. And they are, frankly, you know, speaking now in, in pretty confrontational terms about the need to include this because they understand the game that the White House is playing, that effectively, if they move forward on, on these you know international funding issues without doing anything border wise, that it's it's going to put uh, House Republicans and Senate Republicans uh, at odds. But when, you know, uh, people like uh, Texas Senator John Cornyn are sounding the kind of notes that they are saying that this absolutely has to be part of this measure. And he's someone who obviously hasn't wavered in terms of, you know, support for Ukraine funding and uh, and certainly is supportive of Israel funding as, as the vast majority of Republicans are. It's something that I think, you know, it sends a message to the White House that we don't want to be put in this position where we're trying to have to adjudicate, you know, uh, with our own voters, uh, a lack of funding for a border crisis that has been going on uh, in uh, ways that obviously our, our own network has covered extensively for months now in a very aggressive way uh, that, you know, frankly needs to satisfy the needs of our voters and our constituencies. I frankly believe that the White House is going to have to find some path forward that does satisfy these members simply because there are they are enough of the Republican conference now to actually block something moving forward. And I don't think that they're going to feel the kind of pressure that they might have in the past, you know, on Ukraine funding in particular, uh, that might have led them to uh, take some kind of hit from their base on the issue. Yeah, Jared, I mean, clearly the yeah. Republican caucus is split on funding Ukraine. Uh, they just are. They are. But listen, I think as it relates to that border aspect, you know, that's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out. Because remember this full supplemental uh, money for Ukraine, money for Israel, money in the Indo-Pacific also includes about 14 billion dollars uh, for the immigration system, for the border. The, the White House insists that is a a large investment for border agents. Republicans have said it's not really about the dollar figure. They don't think that that money actually does anything to stop the flow of migrants. It's more intended to kind of handle the, the number of migrants who are already here. So I think the Senate's probably going to push for some policy changes as well. That's where it's going to get I think really uh, challenging for, for Democrats maybe to swallow some of these uh, 
some of these Republican proposals, because, uh, you know, to, to that point, you are going to need buy in here from from Republicans to get this full supplemental uh, over the finish line, uh, especially if the plan here for, for the, st- the strategic plan here for the White House is, is to kind of show those differences uh, that Republicans have over, say, funding Ukraine versus funding Israel, one or the other, or, or how to do both of those together. And as split as the Republicans are on Ukraine, Susan, uh, the Democrats clearly are split when it comes to Israel and what to say, what to do. Uh, the, the administration now pushing for this pause, a three-day pause, we're told, is, is what the phone call was with Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, who has decided that's not what he's going to do, at least currently. Um, and, and so there's a split there. Oh, man, the divide in the Democratic Party is getting deeper and more bitter. It's along ideological lines among support for Israel and a feeling that the Palestinians deserve different treatments than they've been getting. It's generational, too. You know, you look at these this uh, very damaging, alarming New York Times polls of six key states, and you see what kind of trouble President Biden has with younger voters. And that was a core of his support that put him in the White House. Younger voters are much more likely than older voters to be worried about the plight of the Palestinians. And we have, uh, you know, a censure measure coming up uh, against Congresswoman Tlaib, uh, who used a phrase in support of Palestinian rights that is seen as a uh, uh, used as a call by Hamas uh, to call for the destruction of Israel. Um, yeah, from this, the river to the sea. Even the yes, even the issue of that censure vote is one that is going to put Democrats in a tough place because their their party is divided, and the White House is trying to walk this delicate line. And Netanyahu is not doing them any favors by continuing to take the stance he's been taking. And President but, Obama is not just, doing any favors, uh, Ben, for President no, Biden, he's, the mm-hmm. former president, saying he, what he said. Yes, he's definitely not doing him any favors, but I would just send that divide even further. I think it runs through the administration itself. We have mm-hmm. uh, this incredible political report uh, from a, a the internal uh, State Department staffer memo uh, that that went after Israel hard. It's a mark sensitive but unclassified, and it's it's an extreme sort of dissent memo. The kind of thing that you know I think would probably you know gain a lot of signers, perhaps from those younger Democrat voters uh, that uh, and activists that Susan was mentioning. You know, but just to, just to put this you know in perspective, it's a, it's a memo that says things like uh, uh, you know the extent of human lives lost thus far is unacceptable, but that it refers to the thousands of Palestinians and not to the Israeli deaths that actually kicked this whole thing off. It's an indication of the level of divide that I think exists within not just the Democratic Party in mass, but within the policy community of the Democratic Party, which includes obviously an oversized number of people who served in the Obama Biden administration, uh, who, you know, many of us suspect, you know, still look to uh, former President Obama as kind of their lodestar when it comes to what they do on foreign policy, uh, and who I believe, you know, is having an outsized role in shaping uh, this uh, response, which I think is, is effectively satisfying no one within that Democratic coalition at the moment. We'll continue right after this. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. 
You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Yeah, Jared, it's interesting to listen to Hamas officials talk about what, what they see, you know, what they want. And every time they're asked about, you know, a ceasefire, pause in hostilities, they say no. Their intifada continues against Israel. The fight will continue, um, you know, after being occupied for so many years. Then they say, well, what about civilian casualties? And the answer is each uh, oppressed people have to lose people in order to win. Um, You know, it's literally what the Hamas officials are saying that gets lost in the sauce here uh, in the back and forth about, um, you know, who's who's where politically. Well, and I think you've gotten a sense of that, too, from the administration, at least the White House. You listen to especially John Kirby, who opened up the the press briefing today, talking about that one month anniversary, how that felt that we're only one month removed and to consider Israel's response sort of through that lens. And for all of the dissent memos that seem to be coming out, these cables, the uh, divide this rift within the Democratic Party. It so far has not publicly seemed to sway President Biden's thinking on this, has it? He remains, uh, he says, committed to Israel's ability to uh, carry out these operations. John Kirby says that there's not going to be any arm check, uh, armchair quarterbacking, at least in real time, to the uh, targets that are selected by Israel, and that there are no conditions on the type of military armaments, military support that the United States is providing. Um, whether or not that is sustainable over the long term, I think is going to be the question, right? Yeah, I mean, Susan, the politics of this start to to get in. We're still a year away from an election, but um, you know, you look at the poll numbers, you look at Arab Americans down to seventeen percent approval um, of this president in the latest polls that are coming out. Uh, it it is somebody's you know reading that inside the White House. You know, you said we're still a year away from the election. We are only a year away from the election. We're just two months away from the Iowa caucuses. Uh, We this this campaign is well underway. We have our likely two nominees, barring something uh, surprising and unexpected that that would happen. And uh, the politics is part of every consideration. It's not the only consideration uh, for the for the purposes of the White House, of course, but it is one of the considerations. And and this um, this these new polls that show President Biden trailing uh, Donald Trump in this in five of the six states he really needs to win to be reelected has sent alarm bells off for many Democrats. And the question is, Ben, where where do you go? I mean, it may send alarm bells, mm-hmm. but um no one has effectively told me how this change happens, <laughs> if there is a change at the top yeah. of the ticket. 
I mean, I think it is uh, it is the it is the realm more of Hollywood than I think of of reality to imagine that a change is going to happen at this point. Though it is still technically possible, obviously, uh, you know, so you saw some of the criticism directed from uh, Senator John Fetterman at uh, Gavin Newsom over the idea that he was kind of uh, running a, a stalking horse t- candidacy. But, you know, this this is uh, the 30 year you know anniversary of of, of uh, that we saw, you know, of of uh, the rise of Bill Clinton, someone who came through the Democratic Party in a very competitive 1992 election. Uh, and uh, and become the president. Uh, and one of the keys to him doing that was having a sister soldier moment. You know, the the idea that he was going to draw a line that basically said the Democratic Party is not this. This is not who we are. We do not accept this rhetoric as being part of who we are. And that was key to his election as a, as a, a, a Southern Democrat following uh, the, you know, the three terms of Reagan and, and H.W. Uh, Bush. Uh, and I think that what I truly believe would write the ship here for for uh, this Biden administration uh, is for him to have a more forceful moment along those lines that would uh, that would push back against this rhetoric uh, that would uh, say that there are lines that should not be crossed. And while I think that we are hearing consistency from people like John Kirby, I think the president could be more forceful in that and they would go a long way toward uh, essentially creating the opportunity for other Democrats who I believe represent the majority of the party, if not necessarily the majority of young Democrats, uh, to speak out and to say this is unacceptable. It's not a line that we're going to go down. And just like defund the police, there are risks here that we would not like to entertain to undermine us headed into next year's election. Yeah, but Jared, on Capitol Hill, you're not seeing that slowdown. I mean, you're still seeing both sides, kind of two trains on this track, heading towards each other even within the democratic party the you know yeah i mean listen i I think uh, this happens and republicans have sort of gone through this as well right trying to figure out what's our identity as a party right what's uh, the national message i think it happens more when you don't have the presidency and i think that maybe that's what's most um you know sort of fascinating about this moment right now with with democrats is traditionally the president kind of sets the tone for the party and everybody gets in line and goes along with it and there has certainly been um, some some disconnect with that, right? I, I will say that the polling is, is something that certainly is a, raising a lot of alarm bells. Um, I went back and looked at some polling uh, for the third year of, of a presidency over the last couple of decades, and they not always look real good either. And somehow, you know, incumbents have sometimes been able to overcome it. Sometimes they don't. But uh, listen, I think there's uh, a lot on the messaging side that that republic excuse me the democrats are going to have to look at in the next uh, couple of months here to see if they can uh maybe get more in in line um on a lot of these issues that seem to still have that party divided from their last primary uh three years ago well we will follow it all thank you panel now for a bit of history on november 7 2000 the presidential election between then texas governor george w bush and vice president al gore ended in a statistical tie On election night, it all came down to Florida, but Bush's margin of victory in the state triggered a recount. After a month of legal disputes hanging chads over that recount, Bush was declared the winner of Florida by a margin of 537 votes after the Supreme Court weighed in on the legal challenges, leading to his victory in the election and becoming the 43rd president of the United States. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Susan, Ben, and Jared, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts 
and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 